Hey everyone, welcome back to Christ is the Cure. We are continuing the denomination series today. We are defining denominations. We're talking about who's in, who's out of this series, right? We're laying down that general groundwork, and then we're going to talk about how many denominations there are. This may be a shorter episode, but it's a necessary inclusion into our series for the sake of knowing what to expect and what not to expect. Before we begin, I just want to remind you that Christ at the Cure is subscriber-supported. It is only because of subscribers that we have Season 4 and that we will go into Season 5. And so if you have benefited from Christ at the Cure and Christ at the Cure materials, podcasts, PDFs, and so on and so forth, prayerfully consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Christ is the Cure. Well, let's go ahead and jump into it. And we're going to start by talking about how we define denominations because really defining what a denomination is or even the criteria of what it means to be considered a denomination is a bit tricky. In some cases, a denomination is defined as the following, quote, an association or a fellowship of congregations within a religion that have the same beliefs or creed, engage in a similar practice, and cooperate with each other to develop and maintain shared enterprises. That definition comes from the Dictionary of Christianity in America, but according to the Handbook of Denominations of the United States, a denomination, quote, is any group of churches, congregations, or assemblies, or religious meetings with some affiliation among themselves, however formal or informal it may be, end quote. And so the parameters of this handbook note that a denomination doesn't necessarily need to have a hierarchy or headquarters or a formal connection. Instead, it can be just several congregations connected together that share distinctives with one another. And really, this definition is illustrated pretty well by the authors uh, by using the example of the Church of Christ, which does lack a formal connection, but we can identify a Church of Christ by their common beliefs and practices, such as non-instrumental worship. Most of us, if we see a Church of Christ, we have an idea of what they believe if we know something about them. Now, the Pocket Theological Terms Dictionary takes a similar approach, but it actually limits the definition to a formal affiliation. And I'll go ahead and read that out. Quote, an organizational structure of several congregations who unite together on the basis of common, doctrinal, organizational, ethnic, geographical, or practical considerations, even while meeting in separate localized situations. Denominationalism as a theory understands the church as consisting of a diversity of practices and beliefs underneath the umbrella of the larger term Christian, while at the same time denying that any one Christian group can claim to be the exclusive manifestation of the church on earth. End quote. And we talked a little bit about that last time, so I'm not going to hash that out too much. But the Handbook of Denomination in the United States definition is probably the most helpful because it does allow that wiggle room for informal connections that are clearly denominations like the Church of Christ. Uh, because by all accounts, the Church of Christ does fall into a denomination without having that formal assembly. Now, while this designation fits for the Church of Christ, it must be acknowledged that there are truly independent or unaffiliated congregations out there, but these are hard to measure in terms of well, what is their denominational classification and how many are there? Now, where this handbook is actually particularly helpful is pointing out the reality that denomination and sect, per their original usage, were specific to a church's relationship to the state. So a denomination, or even the term church, designated a body that was affiliated with the state. So the Church of England, for example, would be the denomination or church because it was connected to the state, i.e. England. And so the sects would be those who dissented from this state church. Now, as one can guess, this distinction became obsolete when North America grew more populated and allowed for more expressions of Christianity without a formal state church. And as one can further guess, this reality became more prominent 
with the ratification of the Bill of Rights that established a separation between church and state. So mainline Protestant churches, that is those churches that were historical Protestant bodies established in places of power, such as Washington and New York, kind of took the place of those denominations that had state affiliation, even though in the United States they didn't have state affiliation. And so these mainline Protestant historical bodies were initially viewed as the replacement for that state church designation of denomination with sex following after. However, many sociologists and Christians who are in the field recognize that that really can't be said anymore because of the way that culture, state, and those mainline churches have changed over time. So that's kind of neither here nor there, but it's an interesting designation to make in terms of the original meaning of denomination and sect. And so, so far we have a general definition of denomination that's working, but I want to add a final definition into the mix that I think is important when we're speaking about a denomination. And that is within the Christian tradition, we are looking specifically at, quote, a recognized autonomous branch of the Christian church, end quote. And this is actually the definition of denomination according to Oxford languages. And I think this has something critical that those other definitions are lacking, and that is the keyword recognized. While some treatments of denominations seek to be so inclusive that they compromise on core Christian distinctives, this series will not. It will take into account that idea of a denomination is a recognized branch of the Christian church, meaning that there is an adherence to core Christian truth exemplified in the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, that is Trinitarianism and everything else that are included in those documents. Now, while many definitions of denominations kind of presuppose this idea, it's kind of a misconception that LDS or Jehovah's Witnesses are a denomination when they are not. They are a theological cult, and we'll talk about that here in a second. So these creeds, the Apostles' Creed and those surrounding Trinitarianism, such as the Nicene Creed, are the bare bones of Christianity, and one cannot be a recognized branch without them. That means that those groups that do not hold to these core doctrines are not included in this series because they're not recognized branches of the Christian church. They have no ties to historical core truths of Christianity. Now, sociologists and even many Christians on the subject have avoided the term cult uh, to describe these groups, but we're not going to shy away from it. These groups are cults. And since the term has been raised, we should go ahead and define what we mean by a cult. And let's start by using Charles Braden's summary. He defines a cult as any religious group which differs significantly in one or more respects as to belief or practice from the religious groups which are regarded as the normative expressions of religion in our total culture. Now, his summary can be sharpened because it, it kind of becomes subjective to a culture. And it can be sharpened by removing that normative expressions in our total culture. Because really, if you start looking at it, well, what about, what about the culture of Utah? Well, the culture of Utah has a lot of LDS. Therefore, maybe that's the normative expression. So instead, I think that a better definition would be centered around what is the normative expression historically. And so we have that historic core coming back up, right? How the church for 2,000 years has understood what orthodoxy is and is not. Walter Martin in his book, The Kingdom of the Cults, will expand upon this definition Braden by including the notion of a group of people, quote, gathered about a specific person or a person's misinterpretation of the Bible, end quote. Now, Martin's point is that cults begin with a chief spokesman, such as Russell or Rutherford for the Jehovah's Witnesses or um, Mary Baker Eddy for the Christian scientists. And it has some truth to it that there is a central person a lot of times who are kind of leading the charge on this. 
But those within those groups will hardly admit that their entire theology rests upon the shoulders of these predecessors. But this parameter becomes difficult or even unhelpful whenever we look at Christian denominations that are valid, that grew from a leader's particular influence, or may even bear the name of a particular Protestant leader. So it is best to stand on the theological focus, which Martin does later on in his work on the Kingdom of the Cults, and he outlines it such as, quote, the cults contain many major deviations from historical Christianity, yet paradoxically, they continue to insist that they are entitled to be classified as Christians, end quote. So with all that said, let me provide my own definition for clarity. A cult is any group that seeks the title of Christian, yet deviates from the historic Christian faith, specifically with those ecumenical agreements pertaining to the Trinity. While Protestants, Catholics, and Orthodox will debate and hold strong convictions against one another on other matters, these giants of Christendom find agreement that one cannot reject the Trinity and be a Christian. So the adherence to Trinitarianism logically extends to the doctrine of Christ, espoused at Nicaea and Constantinople, and this is the minimal requirement to be considered a recognized branch of Christianity. Now, those listening to this, for some of you, this is too exclusive, and for others, it's not exclusive enough. But I'm setting this parameter because for 2,000 years, the Trinity has been recognized as the heart of the Christian faith, and it's the common denominator between all major branches of Christendom. So certainly there are other doctrines cults teach that can and should be addressed and are addressed elsewhere, but this goes beyond the purpose of this series. This series is concerned with looking at recognized branches of the Christian church. That means that any group that does not hold to Trinitarianism will not even be considered to be included in the list. And even then, we're not going to be able to touch on everyone. And so whether or not you think this is too loose of a core to work with for this series... That's just what I'm working with to make it easier on myself. Certainly, there are other doctrines that you must believe to be a Christian. This is the core that I'm working with to eliminate those groups that are not recognized on the most fundamental bare bones level. So the denomination definition that I'm working with here can be described as follows. A denomination is a recognized Christian group made up of churches that share beliefs and practices and often has collaborative efforts among like-minded congregations on distinctive issues. So you have that element of these are a recognized branch of the Christian church, but they're also a group of churches that make up a denomination because a denomination can't just be one church. So let's talk about how many denominations there are before we close out this introductory episode. And really you'll find that answering the question of how many denominations exist is a complicated matter. And this can be illustrated just by thinking about the definitions that I provided above and how various factors and criteria can lead to different counts. What we know is that a denomination, by most definitions, cannot be a singular congregation, but instead has to be a group of congregations that have affiliations with one another to some extent. So just take some of the questions that we've been posing already. Um, how formal does this affiliation need to be? How many churches need to make up this affiliation, whether formal or informal? Those will change your counts. And that's only a handful of criteria. Some people define it more narrowly. Some people define it more broadly. And so getting an accurate count is kind of a pain, especially when you start thinking about churches that have no formal affiliation, but start partnering for mission trips, workshops, uh, networks, conferences, and so on and so forth. Because of this changing criteria and no objective parameter for defining and counting a denomination, getting an accurate number is just difficult. But... That doesn't mean that we can't address something that constantly comes up. 
I guarantee you've seen it somewhere, and it's a famous picture that the Reformation, because of the Reformation, there has been a formation of 33,000 denominations. And usually this narrative is put forward by Catholics pushing back against Protestants, but this number is a myth, plain and simple. Now, the source for this myth is the World Christian Encyclopedia. The first and second edition contains the 33,000 number. I have not looked at the newer edition that is out, but this is the number that gets thrown around. According to this volume, Christianity is, quote, divided into 300 major ecclesiastical traditions composed of over 33,000 distinct denominations in 238 countries. So after talking about how we define and set out the criteria for a denomination, hopefully you're asking, well, what are the criteria? Well, the volume defines a denomination as organized worship centers or congregations of a similar church tradition within a specific country. In other words, a denomination is a group of congregations with shared beliefs within a specific country. This means that if there are Reformed Baptist churches in USA, Mexico, and Canada, then we have three denominations. Now, on top of this, the entry's number of 33,000 denominations does not come from the Protestant category, which is a cruel irony for the Catholics. Instead, it is the total number of denominations according to that above criteria. The encyclopedia actually lists Protestants as having 9,000 denominations, which of course is still an inflation based on that criteria, but it's still a far cry from the idea that Protestants make up 33,000 denominations. Now, <laughs> this is where it gets interesting. The encyclopedia lists the following denominations. Firstly, independent denominations. There's 22,000. Protestants, there's 9,000. Marginals, there's 1,600 denominations. Orthodox, 781. Catholics, 242. And Anglicans, 168. Now, if you noticed, it says that there are 242 denominations in Catholicism. And I mentioned this because I put up a post about this a long time ago. And a bunch of Catholics were like, why would you say that there's 242 denominations in, in our church? That's ridiculous. This whole post is bunk because of that. And I pointed out to them, this is the source they're using to say that there's 33,000 denominations for Protestantism. It's ridiculous. But even then, within these categories, independence and marginals, uh, which again, independence was 22,000 and marginals was 1,600. They include Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Masons, Unitarians, and so on and so forth. The schismatic Catholics are included here with 435 denominations, and independent Baptists are all counted as individual denominations. Furthermore, the 242 denominations listed for Catholics are the Catholic Rites. And of course, there's just an irony with Catholics using this 33K number against Protestants whenever the source says that they are 242 of those 33K, um, which they would adamantly and vehemently deny. But regardless, this is to say that the 33,000 number for Protestant denominations is simply wrong. But more than this, when you look at critics of Protestantism and they talk about counting denominations, most people will ballpark the number of Protestant denominations to 160 and 180 Protestant denominations. Even then, I haven't seen a good justification for that number. So how many denominations are there? It's hard to say. When you begin counting the list of denominations, however, it becomes quite difficult to even surpass 100. And I'm saying that kind of loosely because, in fact, when you really boil it down to their parent classes, it becomes hard to get past a dozen. It really depends on the criteria you're using who counts. 
And then even whenever you start counting those groups who are subgroups of a parent group, they're still part of that broader group, making it even more convoluted if you start counting them as separate denominations whenever they fall underneath a broader denominational category. And so we're changing criteria as we go along. But whenever you consider denominations as a group of congregations that share distinctive beliefs on specific issues, it's really not that scandalous to begin with, because as you can tell, with the 242 Catholic rites, they have differences in liturgy, which are seen as acceptable, but differences in worship in Protestantism isn't acceptable. It, it's kind of strange. It, it all becomes strange whenever you start talking about how to properly categorize denominations. But an interesting point on the whole ordeal is that whenever we're talking about denominations, by most all accounts and criteria, Orthodox and Catholic churches with their different rites have denominations underneath the broad umbrella of Orthodox and Catholics. For example, the Handbook of Denominations of the United States lists out a handful of denominations for Catholics. Now, for Catholics, some of those groups that are called denominations are rejected by Catholics on the basis that they are not in communion with Rome or the Pope. But instead of calling these denominations, Rome would call them non-Catholic or non-Christian altogether. Some of these include the American Catholic Church of the United States, the Eastern Rite, the Ecumenical Catholic Church plus the USA, the Ecumenical Catholic Communion, the Reformed Catholic Church, the Society of St. Pius X, and so on and so forth. But then you also have the 24 churches or liturgical expressions within the Catholic Church that some who are in the field will label as denominations. And this is said also about the Orthodox Church, which for the most part has national bodies that operate independently, yet are just in communion with one another. But then you also have those groups that branched off of the Eastern Orthodoxy who reject the definition of Chalcedon, and they're called the Oriental Orthodox, Armenian, Coptic, Ethiopian, Syrian, Antioch, Syrian, India, and so on and so forth. So we're not really going to discuss at length those issues, but the point is that whenever we're talking about classification of denominations, the ones who are doing it, mostly sociologists, I mean, the Handbook of Denominations is put together by Christians, but and they include some of these things as denominations, but sociologists in the field will really just say, you know, those are denominations, plain and simple, because they're trying to come up with a criteria, and if they apply it consistently, then those would be denominations and really, I don't think that it's that detrimental of a point if they're considered denominations, if denominations are just shared differences on certain liturgies or practices and so on and so forth. I don't see why that's a problem. But again, it goes back to how you understand denominations, what you're defining it as. For Orthodox and Catholics, for example, denominations are people that have their own different versions of Christianity altogether. They don't view denominations as having any type of unity, while most people who are in evangelical circles will see that there is some type of unity in the midst of denominational differences. In fact, to some degree, it is best to just view these differences as theological traditions rather than denominations. But it's true that there are groups within each theological tradition that have their own, um, you know, conferences and structures, and they kind of view us versus them with others within that same tradition. And so if those are the denominations then so be it, but they're still underneath that theological tradition, which I think is really where those dividing lines are, at least whenever you're looking across traditions, whenever you're looking into the denominations of a particular traditions, it's usually on issues of like conservatism, liberalism, what they view about, you know, things like social issues or even the inerrancy of the Bible, which those are valid. Uh, but I think that it's more helpful to just look at broad theological traditions. But here's the kicker again, whenever you start talking about denominations, and you start talking about counting denominations, if you pull up a general list, you'll rarely find anything above 15 listed denominations. Usually they're grouped by theological tradition. Now, if you go to Wikipedia and you look up denominations, they'll have every 
group of every church and every other thing listed already. So it really does become difficult to define. We spoke early on in our introduction that we're going to be looking at broad theological traditions and we'll note groups that are viewed as either more progressive or more conservative. But for the most part, we're treating denominations according to their theological traditions. And we're kind of boiling our definition down to that because it really does get complicated. I'm not a sociologist. I'm not going to go look into all these different parameters. This is what I'm working with. And so hopefully that's helpful enough for uh, dipping our toes into the subject. And of course, there's going to be these different resources like the Handbook of Denominations in the United States, which is a great resource. Um, I've, I think it's a, probably the best ones you can get. There are a couple others, but that's really the best one I can see. Um, it goes more into the history than the theology, but it does summarize the theology um, here and there. So that all said, uh, that's going to wrap up our introductory episodes. Only two. Can you believe it? Our next episode, which I believe will be after Thanksgiving. Let's see. Um, on the 30th, we will talk about Anglicanism. So God bless you all. Until next time, have a wonderful, wonderful week and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. <laughs>